Hello, and welcome to Talking About It, a podcast from New Canaan, Connecticut, dedicated to reducing the stigma around behavioral health issues our community members face, preventing abuse, and promoting healthy relationships. I'm your host, Cindy Graziano. Each month, we'll share a new episode, including topics such as girl empowerment, teen body image, bullying, relationship violence, helping friends in crisis, social media awareness, and much more. Our goal is to create an educational and open dialogue within the New Canaan community and beyond, because we're not perfect and we're talking about it. Today, we're talking to Ellen Brzovsky, a licensed social worker with a master's from Columbia University and the executive director at New Canaan Cares. Thank you, Ellen, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Today, Ellen, we really want to begin to talk about building resilience in children. Mm -hmm. The potential for joy and greatness lies in every child, but we know that life's journey is not easy. So let's start by just thinking about how to build resiliency. Is it something that can be nurtured in children? The short answer is yes, definitely. It can be nurtured in children and should be nurtured in children. All children are different. They all have different personalities or wired differently, but the potential to develop effective coping skills will help them through the hard times in life. And resilience is really something that can be defined as the human capacity to face, overcome, and ultimately be strengthened by life's challenges. More simply put, the ability to bounce back. And so if we expect that from our children, they will rise to our expectations. And I suppose that helping them rise to that expectation is the whole point in helping them become stronger young adults. There are so many issues that children face that require resiliency, and some of them are new to our Mm -hmm. day and age Mm -hmm. today. Can you talk a little bit about what has changed over the years, making this an even more important topic to talk about, not only to children, but to parents that are raising children that need to be resilient? Absolutely. I think in today's society, especially in communities like ours, where we're not lacking for much, um, there's a lot of pressure to succeed. We're sort of surrounded by success, uh, financial Uh, success especially. And our families are really overscheduled, always on the go. And that may not be so different from the past, but I do think there's that increased pressure to always succeed or always do your best or to build that resume to get to that ultimate right college that you Mm. think might be the one, just the one. So I think there's this dichotomy between doing your best or being the best. And what I recommend to parents is that we try to encourage the doing your best. So you're not competing against someone else, you're really sort of competing against yourself. What's the best I can do? And setting those realistic expectations. I think right now we have social media to deal with that Mm -hmm. we didn't always have, and that's new. And I don't wanna say that it's all bad or technology is the evil here, But it definitely puts an added pressure because it is a 24-7 access to news feeds. It's also access, especially for children, about who's doing what. And most of the time on social media, you're presenting your best self. You know, you're not putting on when you've had a bad day. You're putting on when you've had a great day. So that's setting the expectations really high. And it's an unrealistic bar. So if kids don't shut that off at some point, that can be very taxing and anxiety-provoking. 
So I think things like cyberbullying, not getting enough likes on a post, feeling left out, all of those things can really increase the pressure and stress today that kids are under and increase our need to create some more resiliency. The other thing I think I see, too, because of the overscheduling, especially for younger children, is their decreased time for free play. And what I mean by that is not adult-directed play. Just play between two kids where they're making up the rules, they're using their imagination, all of those skills like communication, decision-making, negotiation, all of those things can be learned by free play. But if we're constantly having them in organized sports or extracurricular activities and there's no room for that free play, some of those skills may not be developed as much as they could be. So I think between the overscheduling and the social media technology, um, you know, we're looking at some increased stress levels here. It's a good point, and I think that free play, while it sounds easy enough mm-hmm. to incorporate, mm-hmm. is it just a parent making sure that at least on a weekly basis there is some of that, that even that might need to be scheduled, in other words? Yes, I mean, and I think... It, You bring up a good point. If other children are also scheduled so much, it's very hard to find like a play date kind of thing where there's just two kids playing together. But I think there can be opportunities where that happens, whether it's in the neighborhood or just downtime at home, even between siblings. But the key is that parents or adults aren't getting in there and making the rules or making the focus of the play. It's really directed by the kids. That also is a good point as far as just free play helps them with those coping mechanisms that parents aren't always recommending how it should be done, but letting the children do that as well. Mm -hmm. You've worked with obviously many families, and so for parents listening today, can you provide some ideas on how to fortify, if that's the best word, fortify or build up resiliency in children? Maybe those everyday kinds of Mm -hmm. strategies, free play being one of them, recognizing how to be the best, not necessarily doing the best. But other ideas for our listeners? Sure. So I'm going to talk about the seven C's of resilience building. And this comes from an article by Kenneth Ginsberg. He's a pediatrician and works with the American Academy of Pediatrics. And he wrote A Parent's Guide to Building Resilience in Children and Teens, Giving Roots and Wings. And we have an article on our website, newcanincares.org backslash resources, and it's under our resilience tab. And um, so he talks about these seven C's. So I'll go through them and you can interrupt or ask me questions as we go as well. But competence is really about doing your best versus being the best. And you're communicating your belief in a child's capacity to meet challenges. And you're giving them opportunities to practice problem solving. So this is where you might hear that term, the helicopter parent or the snowplow parent, where parents are sort of trying to smooth the way for their children, instead of giving them the opportunity to be uncomfortable in a situation and then figure out what to do with that discomfort and what's the best way to handle that situation. Because if we're always doing for the child and we're always trying to make them problem-free, they're not going to feel like they can handle it. And you're almost sending them that signal, like, I don't believe you're capable of handling this. So as much as it hurts a parent to see a child in discomfort, and obviously we're not talking about extreme discomfort or anything uh, that's unsafe, but, you know, being left out of a group or not winning at a board game or losing a match at school, those are all sort of natural life situations that come up and that we have to learn to deal with. So if a child's getting a B on a test instead of an A, are you as the parent going to call the teacher or are you going to let the child sort of say, okay, well, what can I do 
to talk to my teacher about this if I don't think it's fair? Or how do I just handle feeling like, okay, I got to be, and that's not so bad. Well, and in that competency, the first C, it does remind us, too, to ask good questions of children. Yes. To not assume that they can't handle it. Right. That we have to fix it. So I think that's a great reminder for yes. us. Yeah. The confidence is definitely a, a big thing. And that goes with competence um, about feeling like you have some ability to do things and that builds up your self-confidence. And I think too, doing esteemable acts is a way mm. to build self-confidence. Can you tell us more about sure. that esteemable acts? Sure. So giving your child the opportunity to practice kindness and be in, of service to others builds self-esteem. Um, it helps them feel like they're contributing and that they're making a difference. And it gives them a sense of control, too. And those are some of the other C's that we'll talk about. But I think in terms of esteem and building that confidence, when a child does perform in a positive way or um, gets a good grade or you know gets the goal in the game, whatever it is, when you give praise, and you should praise your child, but when you give praise, let it be specific. So it's not just, wow, you did such a great job or you got an A, I'm so proud of you. It's you worked really hard. You studied really hard for that A, and I'm proud of the effort you put in. So it's being very specific about what they should feel good about. And then another C is connection, cultivating ties to family and community by giving them positive role models. And that's also meaning the parent. Um, so being the person you want your children to become, which sounds a bit overwhelming, but you know we do want a role model for our children, sort of behavior that we want them to emulate. I was going to ask mm -hmm. you about that one too, because I think that is sometimes a missed opportunity where parents react to something or say something, but that can be very impactful for children to, mm -hmm. to watch a role model not always connect with a family member that they might disagree with or say something off the top of their head about someone that isn't doing something the mm -hmm. way they would want to mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. So is it being mindful of the way that we're communicating with Absolutely. children? Absolutely. In, pre in the present, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it is true. You hear that uh, term, children are sponges, and they really are watching everything mm -hmm. we do and taking it in. So it is important. The other thing about connection is allowing the expression of emotions and letting children know it's okay to be vulnerable. We don't have to be perfect. We can make mistakes. And then helping them develop the ability to ask for help. And character, which is communicating your family values and boundaries very clearly so that they know what the morals are of your family, what your family boundaries are, what your limits are. And following through with that, you know, so there will be consequences if those boundaries or those limits or those values are not followed. And having a conversation with your child about what the consequences should be. So you're age appropriately, you're coming into an agreement. Okay, so if I do this, if I um, am mean to my sister or if I hit my sister, this is what the consequence will be. And then following through on that. So that's an example of a value. Right. We're, we're kind to each that's other right. and these are the that's consequences right. if it doesn't right. happen. Okay. And in this, in this family, this is how we behave. That's what, um, it's a very good way to sort of mm -hmm. set that family frame. There was a speaker we had just recently, uh, Christina Young, who's a social worker from Greenwich, and she actually made the frame with her fingers every time she said, in this family. And she said, it will drive your child crazy, probably. <laughs> but it's a really good reminder. And sometimes all you have to do is the frame, and they know. <laughs> so it's great. Good. Great tip. Uh -huh. And then contribution is another one of the C's. And again, 
again, that's modeling, contributing to others, which we've talked about. But it's also about chores around the house. And again, it goes back to that competency. Sort of, uh, I believe that you can help and you are a vital part of this family. And so I'm going to let you set the table and maybe help fold the laundry and make your bed. And these are the expectations. And this is how we contribute to the family together. There's also a great book called How to Raise an Adult by uh, Julie Lithcott-Hames. And she talks a lot about resiliency, but she has a whole section in the book where she talks about by ages, what children should be able to do for themselves between two and five, they can do this. Between five and 12, this, these are some of the chores you can give them. And again, safety is always the, the top priority. But once a child masters a skill, you really should let them do it from them on. So she, you know, she has a quote in there about children should start doing laundry at the age of 16. And <laughs> I think to myself, oh, I don't know if I've let my 16-year-old touch the washing machine yet. But it's just an example right. of things. And it doesn't, right. it's not a hard and fast rule. But chores are important. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, coping skills are huge. And again, we go back to that modeling that are you modeling good coping skills for your child? So are you getting enough sleep? Are you exercising? You're eating well? Those are all things that all of us need to do to sort of keep that stress level down in our lives mm -hmm. and things we can do to help with the discomfort or maybe even watching a TV show that is funny that just takes your mind off something for a half hour, you know, those kinds of things, building in those little breaks for yourself. And a lot of times, and in a, we live in a culture that is very driven around alcohol being an outlet. And that can be dangerous as a coping skill, to develop a coping skill. And oftentimes, you know, adults will say, oh, I've had a really bad day. I'm going to have a glass of wine. And again, children are watching you. They're listening. And so if they, and obviously we'll say that every once in a while, but to be mindful of that because that's not a coping skill you really want to encourage in a child. And oftentimes risky behaviors like substance misuse develop because children are working so hard and doing so much. And so they have this feeling like, well, if I work so hard, I can party hard too. Mm -hmm. And that can lead to some really dangerous behavior like addiction. And so we don't want to encourage things like that. We want to encourage those healthy coping mechanisms like asking for help and going for a run or whatever it might be. And then the last one, mm -hmm. the seventh one, I, I think these are great reminders for us, but control. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that. So I think it's about instilling a sense of hope and faith in themselves. So often we think of things as out of our control, but there are really a lot of behaviors. You know, if I work hard, if I study, if I practice, I can control in some aspects the outcome of my actions. So if I study for that test, I will pass. You know, maybe I won't get an A every time, but I should pass that. Or if I go to for extra help, or if I spend an extra 20 minutes with my coach on something that I'm having trouble with. You know, those are things that are in the control of the child and should hopefully instill in them a sense that the locus of control is within them. And that does a lot for resiliency building. Those are great, and one of the things that comes to mind when you're going through these is that it takes a little work. It, it takes does. a little effort. Yes. Yes. So is it something that parents can certainly be mindful of, but actually put strategies in place on a weekly basis even to help children, whether it's this week we're going to talk about how you contribute to the family. Is it is it something that has to be top of mind? I don't think it has to be so specifically talked about like that. Uh, you know, I think if you put in uh, the 
chore system in your house and kids complain about it. I think it, it's enough to say, you know, we are a family that values contribution, that we help each other, we're kind to each other, and this is one of the ways we show that. And then that's the end of the discussion. You know, it okay. doesn't have to be a huge discussion. A lot of it is the modeling and is just sort of the everyday how we live our lives. Um, and it's also, you know, giving them a sense that you're listening to them. And so the, that emotional response, too. So if they come in and they're having a bad day and they're really upset about something maybe that happened at school or in the playground, whatever it is, and you rush to fix it. Well, I'm going to call so-and-so's mother and I don't like the way she spoke to you. You're not getting to the emotional aspect of it and letting them just be uncomfortable for a little bit, which is tough. It's so hard because as parents, that goes against our instinct to protect. Um, but if we do too much protection then we're lessening their skills to be able to deal with um, these challenging situations sometimes. So to just say, wow, you really seem upset about that. Tell me more. Tell me what happened. Tell me how you're feeling. And don't rush to fix it. And then when they've sort of calmed down a little bit to say, how do you want to handle it? Because, of the, again, you're, you're communicating to them, I believe that you can handle this. Those are such great lifelong lessons, yes, certainly. Yes, yes. There certainly are times when children are struggling or you can see they're having a bad day. Those moments as a parent or guardian where you know they're having a bad day and may just need more attention. What might that look like? In other words, there probably are different levels of yes, that. But yes. what does it look like when your child is having a bad day? Yes. So... Sometimes if it's more than just a bad day, if it's, um, you know, a, a string of bad days or if it's um, behavior or an emotional response, we usually say that's out of proportion to whatever the, the circumstance is. So if they're really just beginning to isolate or just shutting down or paralyzed by a decision they have to make, then it's beginning to interfere with their ability to function. So it might be interfering with their ability to get up and go to school or to participate in an extracurricular activity, or even sort of have diminished interest in things that really were interesting to them. So I think if any of those things are happening, it is more than just sort of this episodic bad day trouble kind of thing that it may warrant looking into it more, maybe talking to the pediatrician and seeing if they're maybe talking to a mental health professional or something like that. So my marker is when it interferes with functioning, with the ability to get things done on a consistent basis. You know, one day you, you need a mental health day, you stay home from work or school. That's, that's, everybody has those days. But if it continues for a prolonged, like a week, two weeks, then it's something to take a closer look at and maybe pay more attention to. It's a, a good way to guide our thinking around mm -hmm, that, some mm -hmm. of those markers, one week, two weeks, right. then it becomes something a little right. bit more right. that needs to come to attention. Research tells us that uh, children obviously have a growth mindset, that if we think bullies will always be bullies, if we think victims will always be bullies, it just increases our own stress, mm -hmm. and stress impacts our ability, of course, to be more resilient. How do you help give children a better way to cope with those e inevitable extremes? So mm -hmm. we've been talking about day-to-day -day strategies mm -hmm. and a few things, but those extreme situations that inevitably are going to impact children. Right, right. What can we do? I think there's a difference between having this fixed mindset where it's all absolute. It's black or white. You know, I'm never going to get better. It's never going to get better. Or where it's a growth mindset where it's really bad now, but I don't know how to do it yet. The word yet is really important, and that's something that you can say to your child, right? You're struggling with math now. You don't have mastery of it yet, 
but we can learn, we can get help in, we can, you know, work with your teacher. And so it communicates to them that there is their ability to move on. It's not always going to be like this. And that goes back again to that sense of hope and that sense of control that we can instill in our child and help them believe in that there, there is a better day coming, you know, and it's hard, especially for children. Um, they do s- tend to see things in black and white. And depending on the age that they are, their maturity level and their brain development and all of that, mm-hmm. you know, in middle school, they start to develop more of this ability to have this gray thinking that it's not all or nothing. So, you know, continuing to talk and use that language with children. Yes, you're struggling with this right now. I can see it's really hard for you and frustrating. And it won't always be this way, mm-hmm. you know. That that it's not permanent, right? That this is we're right. moving forward. That's right, right. Those are those are great thoughts and great comments, and I think it helps us to understand that children need that kind of guidance mm-hmm. and that kind of help. There are probably all kinds of statistics out on how important it is for children to build their resiliency mm-hmm. to be contributing adults. Do you want to share any of those with us? Sure. So the CDC, which is the Centers for Disease Control, just in December of 2019, reported that the rate of teen suicide among people ages 10 to 24 increased by about 56% between Mm. 2007 and 2017, so which is within a 10-year period. And we see, we hear a lot on college campuses about sort of the overload of the counseling centers there and the need for mental health and sort of they can't even fill the need of these kids that are coming in. And so some of that uh, we're seeing is is this lack of resiliency so that these everyday kind of annoyances or ups and downs of life are really not being able to be dealt with because children haven't sort of developed those coping skills. Now, obviously, there is, you know, real mental health challenges that people face. But separate from that, I think it's the stress level and this anxiety level that we talked about in the beginning that I think it's really beginning to show itself in these ways that are maladaptive. And um, the suicide rate concerns me greatly as a mental health person as well. So I think talking about it and and doing things like this that we're doing here today helps to bring about the fact that it's okay to talk about emotional health and to try to decrease that stigma around those issues. And that vulnerability and the ability to reach out, those are so important to, to, to develop in our children at a young age. Something you've, you've raised, this idea that building resilient children certainly helps resilient adults. If that was not the case, these same skills, some of these same techniques that we've talked about, learning how to connect, learning new coping skills, talking through things, maybe even learning how to take back some control and knowing mm-hmm. that things aren't always a permanent mm-hmm. impact, those things still work for young adults, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I don't think there's a time where you can not learn something. I think that we're always capable of learning these skills and, and redirecting. We might need more assistance maybe later in life when the brain is more <laughs> fully developed or cemented, but um, it's still elastic. There's still room to, to grow and to find these skills, absolutely. So it yeah. is a lifelong skill absolutely. we're talking about, yes. that resiliency. Yeah. And as new challenges come into mm-hmm. our own world, that ability to cope Mm -hmm. becomes even more important. Absolutely, yes. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners today? Uh, Just to say that New Canaan Cares is always a resource. We have a wonderful website with lots of resources. We do programs monthly for parents, for uh, leadership, skill building for young children from ages elementary through high school. And these are the kind of skills that we're trying to instill in children and also teach parents to help 
coach and instill in their children. So to please reach out to us, use this as a resource. I will just say one thing that May is Mental Health Month. And so we are having a display called Send Silence Packing. And it's, again, helping us to talk about something maybe uncomfortable. But it is about suicide awareness and prevention. And it also is about reaching out and knowing the resources in your community and lessening the stigma around all that. So the connection, that C that we talked about is so important that we hope that this podcast and all of the services we offer in New Canaan will help us connect to each other and be willing to, to reach out and, and lean on each other. Thank you, Ellen. Mm-hmm. And I think that idea of leaning on each other is a key piece to yes. all of our discussions. Yes. How do we find the resources? How do we find the courage to speak Absolutely. up and talk mm-hmm. about this to adults, mm-hmm. other adults, or to the children right. that, that might be listening today. Right, right. Yes. Thank you, Ellen. Oh. We appreciate your time and, yeah. and your good insight and those practical steps and, and strategies that can be applied, not necessarily easily, but with the discipline. Right, right. Yes. Thank you for having me. Today's episode of Talking About It is part of a series of monthly podcasts dedicated to helping break the cycle of abuse and creating healthy relationships. Future topics will build on this theme. Our goal is to raise awareness of behavioral health issues and create an open dialogue. Remember, if you or someone you know is in an emergency, call 911 immediately. To learn more about the subject discussed today and resources on any of our podcasts, please visit the website talkingaboutit.org. And remember to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next month with a new episode of Talking About It. This podcast has been made possible by the New Canaan Abuse Prevention Partnership, D.D. Bartlett Founder, a grant from the New Canaan Community Foundation, and Inovia Media Group, Robert Doran, and Claire Ayub, Executive Producers.